0: Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussions, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring, as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Sophia Duga about her thoughts on global citizenship, She is the founder of Kyo Nutrition, where she coaches leaders in the art of self-mastery through meditation, nutrition, and speech interventions. Currently, she lives in Bogota, Colombia. Sofia shares about her journey of uncovering her ancestral roots to Cuban culture through bold initiatives, language acquisition, and soul searching. Let's get right into the conversation and find out more about Sofia's journey from her hometown of Colorado to Cuba, to Colombia, and beyond. Enjoy.
1: Hi Scott, my name is Sophia Duga, and I am a Coloradan living in Bogota, Colombia. I've been here for the past three years on and off. And switching between my home, Colorado home, and my home, Bogota home, and now I'm here enraizada, rooted in, and I have a full full on life here. And so I am engaged in the local community in a bazillion different ways. I love to get my hands dirty wherever I'm living and do a lot of community work. So I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss more of that. But I'm so grateful to be here. And thank you.
0: Thank you, Sophia. And I, I love how you begin with like a Coloradan being in Colombia and yeah, there's definitely, I think, a lot to, to draw on from your, your background. And the past three years have been really intense. I mean, you kind of have been experiencing a lot or most of the pandemic while abroad. And um, definitely, I want to hear more about how that transition was like for you, or what, what informed that move to Colombia. Um, I'm sure that there's a stronger connection to just South America that's going on and um, yeah and it sounds like you're very like you said rooted in the culture and um, you know being able to like open yourself to those experiences and connect with people from a different cultures is really fascinating but it's not easy and it definitely takes a certain mindset so I, I, I'm excited to hear more about that. And yeah, thank you just for being on the podcast. And I have to say that we're also fellow alum from SUA. So yay, yay, shout out to SUA. <laughs> and yeah, let's let's start with a bit more about your background. Um, so you mentioned Colorado. So maybe you yes. share a little bit about your hometown. I'd love to hear more since I did not know that about you. If I'm being oh. really honest, I, I didn't know that you're from Colorado. So please share a little bit more about your origins but also from there just how you found yourself in Colombia I mean you you don't have to go into all of the the nitty-gritty well in kindergarten and then you know just kind of getting hung up there but definitely kind of some milestones that uh, are noteworthy that you think will help the audience the listeners to yeah kind of situate yeah. ourselves we'll get into this
1: well, we do have to go back to kindergarten.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I was just kind of, kind of partially joking. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, just a side note, yeah. When when I was in kindergarten, um, I I went abroad with my family. We went to Hong Kong, and wow. that marked, you know, this this mind like mind blowing passion of, of exploring the world. And so ever since then, I have been a solo a female traveler, or uh, have been a traveler in in, um, in an educational setting called Children's International Summer Village, which is focused on global citizenship. So I first encountered this word global citizen as an 11 year old growing up in Colorado, you know, it's very homogenous. I lived in the suburbs, like white middle class, uh, upper class, like, you know, just, not many different not not diverse and and my parents came home one day and were like hey we heard about this thing that you could do I know you're 11 but you could go live away abroad for a month with other kids from all around the world and I was like "Yes, sign me up because I don't know for whatever reason I wanted to explore and and I was so curious and um but I was too shy. So they didn't choose me for the program. I was too shy. They didn't choose me. I was super bummed, but they sent me to New York, but it was a cultural exchange. And so I went to New York, you know, this like Western, I had my little cowboy boots, red cowboy boots, like, ooh, Colorado. And I went to New York and lived, stayed with, a Jewish family and had an interchange that way, and so I realized, like, wow, there's even a lot going on in my own country. Like, I didn't have to go, you know, so far away because I come from a, a a very Catholic family, and so you know, celebrating a bat mitzvah and being in the midst of that was like, wow, what's going on? I love it. I want more. And so, um, when I that informed my whole, all of this has informed, you know, all every step I've taken, you know, so in high school, it was like, how can I join the International Club? How can I be president of the International Club? How can I um, be involved in International Peace Day? How can I organize International Peace Day? Um, and then, you know, obviously when picking colleges, how can I find a college or a university that is aligned with global citizenship? So I literally Googled schools focused on global citizenship. And, you know, SUA, SOCA was like the first option. And my parents were like, that school isn't real. So you're not going there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK. So I applied to a million other schools, uh, but eventually circled back to SOCA and uh, yeah that that like elo or that thread you know I just see it throughout every move every step that I've taken Um, and I really do think it was for that experience as a young child of like smelling different smells trying different foods seeing different faces you know being like like looked at by strangers you know in a weird way and me being like oh i'm I'm weird you know i'm i'm foreign like um and just kind of loving that feeling you know in a strange way yeah, yeah. so that how do i say from from soca to colombia is kind of a big move you go from colorado california you know it's a little bit of a move and then you go to colombia well i am part Cuban, my grandma's Cuban, probably mm-hmm. didn't know that about well, me either. not know that
0: either.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, and so I've always had this, like, desire to learn Spanish, mm-hmm. because, you know, as a Cuban migrant, my, my grandma did not teach um, her her daughters, her three daughters, how to speak Spanish. And of course, my mom, you know, didn't teach us how to speak Spanish, right? And that was always like a wound, like, I feel a connection and I was always like asking about Cuba. I want to, I want to know Cuba. I want to, you know, what is it like? And -hmm. and I was so passionate about learning about Cuba, um, but also felt this rupture with Mm -hmm. the language. And so I wanted to learn Spanish. Um, And I wanted to be in a Latin country. and it turned out to be Colombia. You know, it's not Cuba, but it's Colombia. And there's so much, so there's so many things that I feel like Cuba and Colombia have in common. So I feel like I found like my second home uh, mm-hmm. without being in, in Cuba. Mm-hmm. But I didn't tell you how I got to Colombia. <laughs> I don't know if you want that story too.
0: Oh, I mean, there's there's enough already from what you just shared. Yeah, there's a lot um, there. <laughs> but I'd love to hear more. A few things kind of popped in my head um, as you were sharing. The first one, I would say um i'm curious to know a little bit more about your parents (laughs) they sound like wonderful people but you know they as you put it you grew up in colorado it's very homogenous um kind of suburbs middle upper class right all that stuff and yet your parents had this this you know i don't know this wisdom let's say to say, you know to basically ask you as, as an 11 year old, hey, would you like to expand your horizons? I feel like that's that's incredible. Not a lot of parents would just you know say, hey, do you want to go and live in another country or in another state for any amount of time it, it, I think um, that that speaks of like their own values. and so maybe could you share like what 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 do you think influenced your parents? to be open to that kind of experience. Did they themselves have any kind of like experiences in another state or being abroad? Or does this connect back to your ancestry with your your Cuban grandmother, perhaps? Maybe it was your mom who was very insistent upon this or at least to suggest it to you. Uh, what do you have to say about that?
1: Hmm. Yes, so it was my mom's idea okay. and I think we were all like surprised about it, honestly. Um, because again, coming from like a traditional Catholic, Cuban household, like pretty conservative, you know, and also pretty sheltered. So we were pretty sheltered, but then this like popped out of nowhere. and We were all like, okay. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but now looking back, and that's a really good question, looking back at what might have influenced her, you know, my parents grew up in Louisiana. So we go even further into, you know, a conservative society and backgrounds. And, um, and my dad didn't take a plane, didn't leave, didn't take a plane until he was 23 years old. Uh, but when he left, like he never looked back, you know, and he went to Spain and that was his first plane was to study abroad in Spain, and he was an anomaly in his family of seven children. You know, who's the only one who went abroad, and it was it was like, what are you doing? Like, what is what is this? What are you looking for? Um, and same with my mom. My mom studied abroad in Spain as well, and that's actually what brought my parents together. You know, that study abroad experience. Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> again, Soka. but um, yeah, I think their study abroad experience open up this whole world and they wanted our family to travel together. And so as young children, and I have two other siblings, we were traveling together. Um, And then obviously this was another step of saying to your 11 year old daughter, like, do you want to go abroad for a month and live with other kids? You know, just totally trusting. I think they had a moment where they like, were like, what did we do? Because I would come home and I'd be like, well, I learned that not everyone is against um, gay marriage, and they were like, ah! <laughs> you know, because of their beliefs. So it, it was like it was chocante. It was sometimes a conflict where I was like, well, I learned that not everyone does this, and um, and I think at one point they were like, oh no, we we messed up. Um, but I did that those educational camps for years uh, until I was you know, in my, in my early 20s, actually, like I just stopped a few years ago, but um, I was a participant, 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 I actually went to Brazil, um, with these camps, two times, and then, and then I was a staff. So I was able to give back and be the, the person leading these educational experiences, and work with 11 year olds work with 14 year olds, work with people expanding their horizons.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing a little bit more. I, I, I could tell that you were kind of, you know, think, thinking out loud, kind of like trying to make more of those connections, being like, oh, yeah, like, what was it like for them? And it's clear that while well, they they definitely have that value uh, placed on having, you know, their children go out of their comfort zones by studying abroad and just absorbing um, that, which is in a very different kind of environment and how that really benefited themselves going to Spain. I mean they even got married right as a result yeah. of doing that so there's definitely a lot of benefits but it's funny how you then say oh well then like you were coming back from school and sharing these other values that you picked up and that, that kind of like oh maybe we need to pump the brakes like how much <laughs> are you gonna really learn from this and i think that's really that's very honest of you to, to share um and it, it just speaks to how difficult um it can be especially as a parent to have uh, one's child go abroad since there is that sense of like sheltering like they want what's best for you and those values that they themselves have accrued over the years they kind of want that but you know once you're abroad you're you're not necessarily you know in the same house rules and you're just kind of curious right you sound like you were very curious then you're very curious now and Mm -hmm. still growing and like expanding the perspectives um but yeah that's that's just really it's really interesting and I think it's important right because I mean, so much of like who you are is, you know, that influence comes from, um, you know, the parents. And so, to see you now in Colombia, I think that's it's incredible that you know they were able to plant that seed
1: uh, mm-hmm. without fully
0: knowing where that will lead. Because you know, who oh,
1: does? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: yeah. So I guess go. my the next thing. Oh, well, and, and maybe if I can add briefly to that because um, my mom was very against it's funny because my mom actually is one of my listeners on the podcast you know shout out to the mom hi Um, (laughs) but yeah I I recall um, when I went to SUA as a as a first year and I think I was 18 and I heard all these people around me just saying like oh I've been to this country or I'm from that country and lots of buzz about you know just studying abroad and I was thinking to myself wow I've never been out of the country and the study abroad it sounds very interesting, but like it's beyond me. And so then i I decided to um, go I mean, I, I heard about a program in Buenos Aires, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna improve my Spanish and go there after my first you know first year. So I was planning and saving up money and trying to justify certain costs and line everything up. and my mom was like very doubtful of it. she's like, I don't think you should go. this is mm are you sure you want to do that? And I was just so insistent. I was like, no, I got to go. I have to go. And it's just funny how she was very resistant to the idea. But as a result of me going abroad and then continuing to go abroad, because SUA really facilitated so many travel experiences, not just the flagship study abroad for one semester kind of deal, like Learning Cluster was a big one for me as well. But it's funny how you know, I would come back with all of these experiences—the good, the bad, and the ugly. I would share them with my my family, and then my family got really interested. And then they wanted to st- start going abroad too. They they actually wanted to go to the places that I went to because they're like uh-huh. that's not enough just to hear it from Scott. Like I actually want to be there. Yes, right? that's real. <laughs> real. they are like,
1: oh no, you're not booking a ticket without me. You're
0: like, <laughs> yeah, and and I just I, I felt this change start to emerge and this greater acceptance of just how. Study abroad is a really excellent form of education in and of itself. I think um, so. Yeah, I just wanted to you know share that little piece too. Um, and it's funny because my mom is um, um, an immigrant herself, as you were sharing with your your grandmother from Cuba. My mom is from South Korea, so she was born and raised there, and then immigrated when she was sixteen. And um, that leads me to the next question I wanted to ask you about um, more of the ancestry part because you you spoke of it as if it was you know it was that that kind of disconnect or even the feeling that it was a wound that you were trying to kind of you know address and, and heal by getting closer, you know, to to the roots or like at least getting closer to the language itself. And I yeah, I just like you to share more about like what 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 do you mean by like it felt like a a wound or like when did you start noticing the 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 kind of dull pain of it and like how how what what actions did you take to, you know, fill not fill in the gap, but like you know, kind of bring the two together to the point where now I feel like you've, you know, for the most part, married them, where you're very confident and very comfortable and and quite happy uh, in the space that you now occupy uh, and the kind of identity that you have have constructed up to the till this point. So, yeah.
1: mm. Oof, identity. Yeah, I think from a very early age, I, I felt like different. And maybe that was because of my body shape. Like everyone said, you have a Cuban fondillo, like a Cuban butt. And so like, you know, I didn't really understand, you know, what that meant. I was just like, OK, but everyone commented that I had a Cuban body. And so from the beginning, it was like, you don't belong here you know you're not fully this you're not fully white suburbs because all my friends looked a different looked totally different you know um and I had problems fitting it definitely um, and then the language yeah finding Spanish as something important well I hated Spanish at the beginning of my life it was like total rechazo, like, mm-hmm. don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I think that's a common experience of a, a child of migrants, you know? It's like, um, there can be certain, like, I don't want this. Um, and then there's that draw. And then I don't know in what moment there was that draw, but there was that draw. And, and I started really searching to, to learn Spanish. And so I went a little bit off the edge. I was like, I'm going to do everything to become fluent. I need to become fluent, and I need to not have an accent. I need to not talk like a gringo, you know, like a common, you know, I, I like that was really important for me. From a young age, I remember like hearing people talk with that accent, and I was just like, ooh, like it gave me chills. And then I heard my grandma speak, and it was so beautiful. And so I wanted to speak like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I called when I was at SUN, really when I made that decision, like I'm gonna become fluent in Spanish. Um, and I called my grandma every day, you know, and, and said, I need you to talk to me in Spanish. And it was the first time I had asked her to talk to me in Spanish. She was kind of shocked, you know, because no one in her life has ever asked her for that. You know, um, her husband, my grandma is from Ohio still doesn't speak a word of Spanish and so I think it's also a wound for her like it's also something that hurts you know like she wanted to teach her kids English but you know it wasn't understood in the house and so and it was also frowned upon so she didn't and the fact that I like came close to her and asked for that you know is really healing I think for both of us and so we talk every morning and I didn't understand I didn't understand I couldn't speak uh, and we just kept going and at the same time at SOCA, I was um, trying to open a study abroad to Cuba and a learning cluster. Both failed, right? So, you know, in a weird way, like <laughs> the, the, the learning cluster, just it was a no. There was too much political blah, blah, blah involved, and it, was, it would be unsafe. They didn't give us a grant. And so that was really painful for me. I was like, I need to get to Cuba. I need to get to Cuba. I just had that feeling like I need to get to Cuba and I'm gonna go crazy if I don't. Um, And that's why I was practicing my Spanish. Study abroad, I was opening a program and it was like this close to opening. um, And I I actually put my study abroad abroad off till my senior year so that I could go study in Cuba. and then my senior year, they told me it's not going through. And I was devastated. I was like, no, <laughs> I hate soca. I hate, I'm not going to say name, But I was, pissed. I was so mad. Um, but everything works out, you know. I was, like, determined in that moment to go to Cuba. And I, I was just focus on that and so I went actually I went when I was 19 years old Um, I went to Cuba for the first time and my grandma left when she was 19 years old and she never returned to Cuba Um, she left during the revolution when Fidel Castro came into power Mm -hmm. Um, their family was kind of involved in things and so it was very unsafe for them to be there Um, and so she's never gone back and my family, my parents have never gone back. My cousins have never gone back. No one's ever gone back. Mejor dicho, mm-hmm. so I was like, "I'm going," and everyone's like, "No, you're not." Um, but I went anyway because that's who I am. <laughs> I was like, sorry, Eugene, I bought that... my ticket. Mine's made up. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And, and that was the way of closing the gap and really feeling like that connection. And it was such a healing uh, experience for me. Mm.
0: Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it does remind me of a similar kind of wound that I felt when growing up and the fact that like my mom never taught us Korean. Uh, I have an older sister as well. So it was it's funny. You know, we have some cousins and I guess they tried to learn Korean at the, you know, insistence of, of my aunts and uncles and never really played out. And so my mom was very like rational and thinking, I don't wanna spend money if it's not gonna actually play out or I don't know, she was just like, eh, it's, it's, not, it's not a priority, it's it's okay. So kind of pushing aside, you know, uh, aspects, I would say of, of of her identity and not feeling, you know, as strong a connection as when she used to live in in Korea. And yeah, never gone to Korea until 2017, which is when I just decided like, all right, I'm going to go and initially it was supposed to be a solo like lone wolf kind of i'm just going to go myself uh, because i've been talking about it for a long time and i was living in brazil so it was like going from brazil and then just being i'm going to go to korea for a vacation i guess um but then my sister um kind of she got roped into it and was like all right the two of us are going to go and to be able to actually see where my mom grew up uh, because she grew up on a farm Um, along the coast you know very you know difficult conditions and uh, she had like you know 11 brothers and sisters so it was just you know very very different scenario to what my sister and I grew up in you know very privileged middle upper class you know southern California area so I we went there and definitely there was that kind of rekindling of like wow you know like what was life like for them and know for ourselves it's it's so different and it just it kind of like sprung a lot more questions i think uh than just kind of you know concrete answers because you know even when i was very young i always wanted to learn korean and uh spoiler still don't really know korean that well but i have studied it (laughs) Uh, it's just funny how like you know our our paths kind of they crisscross and they don't necessarily go in like quite the the way that you envision them to, because I tried to learn Korean so badly, but then, you know, what happened was pretty much I went to SUA, learned Spanish, and then from Spanish, learned Portuguese. I feel like I'm doing this ma- massive detour. I'm <laughs> just kind of like yeah. roundabout. Still it's haven't good. quite gotten to the Korean background, but um, but yeah, there's something about like when you're really seeking, like when you said you were just like so determined to really learn Spanish, but not learn Spanish on a superficial level, but to really like ingrain it into your being and connect it to something that's larger than yourself, but to your family and to that culture and country itself, um, then you start to really see uh, these changes. And so um, it's just, it's beautiful, you know, the way you share your your story because um, that definitely did not take a day (laughs) or a month, but many years, right? It's it's very evident.
1: (laughs) So many years. <laughs> so many People are years. like, how did you learn Spanish? And I'm like, duolingo. No. But <laughs> it's like, it was so hard. It was so hard. It was so many different things. And mm-hmm. and the language is that it's it's persisting and it's really like um, connecting on a deeper level. Otherwise you'll never get to the level of full fluency if mm-hmm. you don't have that connection or meaning behind it.
0: Mm. Yeah, so one thing that I've thought a lot about, um, and and you shared when you were learning Spanish, that you did not want to sound like a gringa, or gringo, right? And I had a similar mindset when I was learning Spanish that like, oh, I want to be like super fluent, you know, and I just, I wanted to be effortless and just, I, I would hear my professor speak and think, yep, I'm going to speak like that or at that level. And it was always very frustrating because, you know, for as much as I studied, I still felt like I was kind of sputtering or not quite articulating it the right way, right? I hate the, the, I mean, I I shouldn't say I don't hate, I hate it, but um, like the la r, it it was so hard for me. It it took me like years just to get like a tiny bit of like the rolling of the R. And it always kind of left me feeling like I was not good enough. And that, and that was tough and so i was trying to build this like positive relationship and yet at every turn i'm kind of like just you know putting myself down thinking uh it's not working out but my relationship like when i started learning portuguese was very different in the sense that i kind of just felt like you know all bets are off i'm just gonna go and learn it have a good time be fine and then i just realized that that relationship flowed so much easier and not to say that like portuguese is easier than spanish or vice versa because learning any language is du- is really difficult um and yet i found myself um feeling that relationship to to brazilian culture and portuguese and and you know i'm not going to say like who and i don't have an accent look at me because everyone has an accent like surprise is right? of course you're going to sound a particular way yeah. it's just the question of like again, like the fluency part is like, how how do you um, speak in a way that others understand? Or there's no like, I don't know, like hiccups between like one expression to the next or like how it flows from one idea to the other. So I, yeah, I just feel like my own process has been one of like, yeah, persistence and just kind of like rediscovery and just like trying to like chill out a little bit more, you know, <laughs> and seeing where where it takes me. But yeah, the the Korean piece is still there. So I I guess for me, like the wound is still a little bit more open. Yours definitely sounds like, oh, you have like, you're like standing. (laughs) Yeah, you're like standing at like the the summit of a mountain, just like screaming, you know, like, yeah, I did it. And it's just great because you're actually like right next to mountains. You showed me from your like window that you're in a really beautiful place in Colombia. And so actually that's going to segue into what are you doing in Colombia? So you have this identity as you know, Spanish speaker, Cuban descent, and you're a very global citizen, like all of your travels and how you've assisted and supported others in, you know, their journey towards global global citizenry. And now you're in Colombia. So you've been there for the past three years. It sounds like those are like two major things that you've really been like invested in, like the initial one for the first year. Uh, Maybe you could share a little bit about that and then how that After that year, um, things changed for you, and the world changed, and (laughs) so much changed. So, yeah, could you share a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, of course. I'm gonna move to the sun because Bogota's cold. Okay. So, I was the first SUA, one of two, the first SUA students to be chosen for a Fulbright scholarship, which I'm very proud of.
0: Congratulations!
1: Thank you. because I had so many people doubting my SOCA education. I just want to, you know, really bring that to the light. You know, like I got this very prestigious reward or award, excuse me, um, and scholarship from the State Department through a liberal arts education and through the support of all of the, the mentors that helped me, you know, with my application. And so I came to Medellin, I chose Columbia. Um, because I had, I had come traveled here as a solo traveler to again, like bring my Spanish into even a stronger place. And I had just fallen in love and I was like, I don't know how, but I'm going to live in this place when I'm older. (laughs) I just kind of put it out there. I'm going to come back to Colombia. I don't know how. And then it came into the full right. And I was like, that's how ding, ding, ding. So I chose Colombia. I got chosen. Um, to come here and live in Medellin to uh, teach English as a in a university. And everything was flowing amazing. I had a bazillion ideas. I was like, look, this is how we can best teach English because English is so boring when you're just learning grammar, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to do a creative writing class. I'm going to do a yoga class. I'm going to do a meditation class. And I'm going to... Do all the things, and they were like, "Okay, go for it." And you know, we did a million different classes that that I just created de la nada, like out of nothing. I was just like, "Let's try something new." And I was working with medical students who were trying to learn English, and so they were really, uh, they had so many positive feedback about the the meditation in English and the yoga in English classes and their desire to earn learn English. So that's what we talked about a moment ago. Is like sometimes when you chill out and you stop like, you know, getting like attacking the language um, and you just kind of embrace it in a different way in a more fun and like genuine way, then you can actually enter into a new dynamic with the language and, and it will enter you. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed that and um, and we were on a roll, we were doing great. Actually my university proposed to all of the universities um, in Colombia that are uh, we had like 17 different sister schools to implement some of these courses and so I was like stoked and I decided that I would stay a second year and then ding ding ding, y'all have to edit. leave the country right now you have four days to pack up so I was like um, I'm staying <laughs> but they pressured enough to the point that I was like okay I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go home, see what happens. Um, it was heartbreaking. I was very traumatized by the whole leaving because I it felt like again I was being uprooted mm-hmm. and it felt like what my grandma may have experienced. Mm-hmm. Not on the same level, you know, because I had only spent nine months there, but I had spent nine months of really connecting and giving my all. And and I was so determined to live there that it was like, whoa. I felt like I had just been pulled out of the ground, out of the soil. And I was plopped back home with my parents. And I was like, okay, okay, let's do this. So that's how I spent the pandemic. I was um, with my parents and actually stayed on my brother's sofa couch um, and in Colorado. And then when, um, oh, I missed a really important part that I fell in love in Colombia. That's why I was so traumatic as well, because (laughs) I had just fallen in love. And you know, when you fall in love, man, it's like, it's intense. And you want to be with that person all the time. Um, And so it was like, oh, bye. (laughs) And we were both, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, the uncertainty, when are we going to see each other again? And I said, you know, one month, in one month, I'll come back. Like I'll come back as soon as possible. And then Colombia closes its borders. Wow. So I was like, I have my ticket in hand and the borders are closed. Okay. So I kept I kept getting my ticket moved back, moved back, moved back. Cause they're like, we're gonna open, psych, we're gonna open. Just kidding. We're gonna and it happened like five, six times. And every time I was just this roller coaster of emotions of like, when will I get back to Colombia? Because Mm. I really felt like this was my home um, and Colorado was not my home anymore. Mm. And, you know, eventually I I get back to Colombia. I am reestablished with my partner. The plan was for me to go back to Medellin and continue my life there. Um, But when I got here to Bogota, where my partner lives, uh, we were like, you know what? that's never gonna happen to us again. They're never gonna separate us again. We're getting married. And we got married. Oh, <laughs> so, thank you, yeah. Yeah, that's how full right changed my life.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, undoubtedly, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. That's,
0: a, that's a lot still to process, I would imagine, cause you know, that wasn't, that was just in 2020, right? And...
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 2019, 2020, um, and I also, have a stepdaughter, five years old, who's outside right now. So yeah, I have a life here and a family and it's pretty insane when I wake up. I'm like, oh yeah, I really live here. Like this is real, this is my life. You know, this yeah. is not just a scholarship anymore, you know, where Sophia's floating around the world. Like I'm here, um, yeah, as a person.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're no longer, working for those universities or like with the the Fulbright um, scholarship so you're you're kind of uh, very active in pursuing you know many of the passions that you've already mentioned I I find that so awesome by the way that like it's not like telling people to learn a language through the grammar but you adding these other uh, elements of of kind of your background um, Mm -hmm. like meditation yoga you said and just having a good time just kind of like leading the way uh, so that your students or those around you could just naturally gravitate to that particular passion and not feel like, oh, it's, the, you know, it's not like necessarily the language learning that I'm I'm here for, but it's also for this other aspect, or I'm here for Sophia because she's just a light and I just want to be, you know, near people who kind of shine in that way. And, and all of those reasons are valid um, for, Language learning, but I know that you're kind of taking taking those passions a little bit further, uh, or a lot further. Um, and then you also mentioned uh, something about nutrition as well, or there's like this kind of element of well-being. I'd love to hear a little bit more of, about that if you could share briefly.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, a lot of us had a lot of free time in the pandemic, including myself, and. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, it just brought me to like that fundamental question of like, what is my purpose? You know, what is my mission on this planet? And it's definitely not to teach English. <laughs> you know, I was like, I loved it. It was so much fun. And at the same time, there was again, that missing piece. I feel like I'm so driven by like, what is like, que falta? what's missing, you know, and how can I fill that? Um, and I'm a singer, you know, I, I was born singing just, humming singing like making sounds you know drove my family crazy they put me in a choir which is another very wise decision of them <laughs> so i would sing in the choir and not at home <laughs> um and and that came back and knocked on my door and said like you need to do something with your voice a because people are suffering and the voice is power and b You need to figure out why you're so frustrated in your current uh, scope of work and do something to change that, like now. Um, And so I said, okay, what are my biggest problems with global citizenship education? You know, What have I run up against time and time again? I've run up against people who are burned out, people who are trying to save the world and don't care about themselves. I've done the same. You know, I've put myself way last. And yeah, just like people that have really big hearts and don't know how to care for themselves. Mm. Mm, I saw it in the UN, you know, when we went to the UN at Soka. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of people that look really sad or just really like low and they were you know, in the presentation, even in the presentations, they were like, just obviously burnt out, you know? And so I was like, if I wanna continue in this field, will I end up like them? And I actually, I was in Fulbright two years and my second year I, I walked away, I quit. Um, because there was just this lack of, I, I wasn't able to care for myself and I was I was sick. I was unhappy um, and I couldn't do it anymore. And so I started studying nutrition and that's kind of when I shifted everything. And this is like, it has opened up to everything. Like everything makes sense now. I'm like, okay, this is global citizenship, global citizenship at its core is each individual learning about themselves on a profound level. How, how does my body work? How can I heal my body? How can I help my body? How can I be my biggest fan and feed myself in an adequate way so that my body can function optimally so I can help others? You know, to me, it's like, it has to be that way to be sustainable. And it really goes along with the idea of this human revolution, that one individual, you know, who changes can illuminate the world, right? So I think with functional nutrition, it's that one, one individual learns how to care for themselves and that can illuminate the world and open up um, things for the world. So I'm currently uh, working in that, in a group process. So I'm working with seven women in this moment who are all in this um, uh, process of learning how to eat for themselves, right? And, and learning how we're creating like a micro, micro community, you know, micro universe, of, of women becoming you know empowered through their eating habits and that changes that literally ripples off into all other aspects of their life you know it's just amazing to see and we work with not only nutrition but sound so I figured like okay one is super like tangible like my body you know one is my body physical like I need to learn how I can have a good poop, right? Because that is going to Mm -hmm. clean out my system and that's going to, you know, make me happy. Right? Like that's so important. But what else is important? Your spirit, you know, your mind and your spirit. And they're all interconnected for me. So sound to me is the way to enter into that other dimension of Mm -hmm. like um, helping people discover who they are and especially with women who have you know just incredible amounts of thyroid problems or, or problems that affect this part of the body their throats mm-hmm. um, cancers but mainly thyroid uh, problems is really expression so how can we express ourselves so we work on expression nutrition and what <laughs> that's what i do
0: that's amazing and just so inspiring and i've never yeah, the way that you articulated the global citizenship piece in the work that you're doing with functional nutrition is um, it just makes so much sense, honestly. the 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 sustainable part of just, you know, really having this deeper understanding of how to care for oneself and and all that that entails. And yeah, that's just, I think, something that we really take for granted, and that we clearly, feel the body give us signs. I mean, that kind of is the the symptoms of just modern living and how stress really accumulates in the body and just, you know, the burnout, just the kind of like physical aspect of someone just kind of like looking deflated uh, while contributing tremendously. Like, if you know, the case of you talking about the people in the United Nations, contributing wonderful things, but yet feeling an inner sense of just deep depression or sense of like, you know, there's something clearly lacking or disconnecting from myself. And um, and we want a world where we are contributing and making our communities happy while at the same time being happy ourselves. You can't mm-hmm. forget about, about yourself. And um, yeah, and I just think that it, what a profound realization that you had during the pandemic and that pivot, a lot of cha- change is hard, Uh, and yet, you know, here you, you were these past three years, just kind of soaring from one change to the next and, you know, um, having that, um, kind of bright outlook all the while. So, um, kudos to you, Sophia, your champion. And yeah, I, I just, I wanted to ask, um, well, yeah, one quick question. So it's, it's like the book or film recommendation that you have, uh, It could be something that you've read or watched recently or something that you're hoping to watch or read soon. But in like a minute, could you share like briefly just what that would be?
1: Yes. So I was thinking about this last night and I have to recommend the book that I just finished, which was, wow, called Entangled Life Hmm. by Merlin Sheldrick. And this is a book about fungi (laughs) and I was like okay Scott's gonna look at me funny but and at the same time fungi to me is the most is the closest thing to a global citizen right just how fungi work and Mm -hmm. through this book um you know you just explore this world of how everything is literally interconnected and how that works How communication works. How do plants communicate to trees? And how do trees communicate to humans? And how um, do we share nutrients between each other? And how do we um, compete between each other as well? You know, like this world of global citizenship is often like highlighted as, you know, a world where we're all happily singing kumbaya together and there's no competition and everyone is mutually helping each other out. And what this book shows is that that doesn't even exist in the natural world, right? We humans love to believe that there is this utopia, but really there is is this kind of tension. There's always a negotiation. There's always a tension. There's always a little bit of a competition and there's always cooperation. There's always collaboration. And so to me, that is the essence of being a global citizen is understanding the nature of the, the natural world And looking at what we can learn and reflecting that in our own lives in the best ways possible.
0: Wow. I want to read that book. That sounds... Oh,
1: you have to. You have to. I'm serious.
0: Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for that recommendation, Sophia. And I I just really appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing, you know, bits of your life, your story, and also this, you know, incredible insight about global citizenship. I, I found it very refreshing. So I appreciate you. And I just wanted to give you the last last few words before we wrap up things on our episode.
1: Thank you, Scott. Thank you again for the initiative. And oh wait, I reached out to you.
0: Yeah. That's
1: the theme of all today's podcast. Sophia, like okay. Yeah, just when- go get
0: her, just doing, yes. doing cool things. Yeah.
1: Yes. And that brings me to the last thing I want to say which is mainly for myself and mostly for all of you go-getters is that let's rest let's really prioritize rest because if we are privileged enough to be thinking about global citizenship to be um, listening to a podcast about global citizenship then we most likely have our basic needs met and we have the opportunity to take care of ourselves and to rest not everyone has the opportunity right And so if you do have that opportunity, please take it and really protect it um, and don't think that you're weak, lazy, um, or anything that people say. Rest for yourself and rest for the world.
0: Thank you so much, Sophia, for joining me on the podcast. And I really had a blast learning more about your story and i felt such a connection with your soul searching to uncover more of these ancestral roots the story about your your grandmother in cuba and you trying to come to terms with your cuban-ness right and how that's really played a huge role moving forward up until the present day and i feel that there's no coincidence that you know you You're in in Colombia doing the work that you are doing, and I really believe that your initiatives and all the work that you're putting into really forming and and building a greater sense of community and also a greater sense of being from a more personal, local perspective. I think all of those things really tie in together to really have this local, global um, duality. Um, But, you know, of course, the spectrum, everything that falls in between those two extremes. And I, I, yeah, I just think that that really does tie into global citizenship in important and profound ways. So thank you for sharing your story, as well as the work that you are currently entangled with and uh, promoting and developing. And yeah, to see that you are kind of living between worlds in a way uh, with your hometown in Colorado and kind of bringing that perspective to Colombia and, and your experiences traveling to other countries and yeah it's just a really um, interesting uh, moment that you're you're kind of living through where uh, the, the the work is timely and necessary and yeah I just wish you all the best continue to do great work in Colombia and um, thank you so much once again for joining me on this podcast